we sing, worthy, worthy, worthy are you to receive all the praise we have. Lord, we just thank you for what you have done. We thank you that you sent your son down to dwell among us, Lord, and to come and to die and to raise again, Lord. We just thank you for that. Lord, that story is so remarkable, and it was all so that we would be given the choice to know you, Lord, and we just thank you for that. So as we begin this Christmas season, Lord, I just pray that we could look at your story with a new and fresh perspective, Lord, um, and that we would just receive what you have for us today. Lord, and in your name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated and children may be dismissed. Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. You think she said it like that? Almost like, here it is. Deal with it. And by the way, your grandson, he'll be the son of the Most High God. Yeah, how, how do you even say that? The angel told her not to be afraid. And Mary, well, we know she was faithful. So maybe, maybe she just decided to believe him. That whatever was about to happen, she was going to be okay. When do you think she realized that she hadn't accidentally found herself in this situation? That she'd actually been chosen for it? Because when you know that you're chosen, that's when you know that you're loved. And when you're loved, well, that gives you the kind of confidence you need to walk through doors everyone else wouldn't dare go through. But Mary dared. She dared to trust God as she watched him give life, then give it up for our sakes. And it all, in the unforgettable miracles and the very scary moments, she trusted his will rather than demanded answers, walked forward instead of turned back, stepped out instead of hit. Kind of makes you want to be like that little girl, huh? So do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today, your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. I'd like to welcome you to the wonder of Christmas. So many of you have just uh, celebrated Thanksgiving, a time often where you gather with loved ones and, and are able to have some amazing meals and just some time to reflect and to be thankful. But today, this Sunday begins Advent where we celebrate as Christians the coming of the Savior. Oh, we trust that you're ready to receive, to celebrate, to 
be encouraged. Let me first pray, though. Our Father, this church begins to celebrate the Christmas season today. The time when you displayed your love for each one of us. We have heard and even told this story often. So, Father, would you open our eyes today? May we receive the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love is for us. May we experience the love of Christ, which is too great to understand fully. May we live full lives with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. I ask, Father, that you not only do that for us, but for your church, churches that are gathered right in our area, celebrating your grace. We think specifically of Grace Point Church and Casa de Oración, and for redemption. Lord, we thank you especially for redemption this morning and the opportunity we have had to partner with them as they buy a building, as they move in, as Belvedere is being changed because of your faithful servants. Father, we also pray for all of our teachers and our little ones downstairs. As they sing songs of your love and as they learn about who you are, we pray, God, that you would do a mighty work in them. And for all the other ministries, Lord, that meet and our missionaries that are all over our world and for those faithful servants, Lord, every day they just walk with you and make a kingdom difference. We are grateful. And we ask today, God, that you would work, that you would speak, that no, nothing that I say would be distracting, but would point to you. We love you, Father, and pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. I'd like you to do one thing this morning. Actually, I'd like you to shut your eyes. Just shut your eyes. And what's going to happen is that we're going to read Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26, and going through 57. But this is a dramatic read, a read that I think will help you, well, realize a little bit of what just happened. So let's listen to what happened on the day that everything changed for Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her. <gasps> Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. Elizabeth! She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry. God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Mary knew God loved her. Mary understood that God found favor with her. She was chosen, the right person, at the right time. She was told that she was blessed above all women. In spite of the questions swirling, she decided to believe and to trust that God's plan was good. It's hard for us to relate to Mary on most levels. Beginning with the visit, Gabriel speaking to her, an angel, then realizing that God was in her womb and that she would soon become the son of God's earthly mom. Being pregnant and unwed, and a teenager in the first century. Oh, it only brought shame, ridicule. Who would believe her? 
telling her story to her parents. Can you imagine how they responded? And, and then to Joseph. Really? The story is, you've been faithful? And God, through the Holy Spirit, impregnated you? Who, who would believe her? Yet Mary knew God. And God chose her and blessed her. God loved her and she loved God. Mary's response inspires us. If for no other reason other than a teenager, a girl 13, 14, or 15, maybe 16, at that age, at that culture, excuse me, a teenager listening to anybody, but especially God in spite of the cost? Don't you wish at times that you knew God loves you and that you could actually feel his love? So many times as I sit down with you and hear your stories and hear some of the journey you've gone through and hear some of the hardships. It's, it's so difficult at times. God, are, are you there? Do you really care? Do you love me? I wonder if that's what went through Mary's mind. But how do we know or understand God's love? Well, the answer is Christmas. It's Christmas. It is Jesus. It is the Son of God becoming flesh, born of a virgin, laying in a manger. The Apostle John, in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. This text tells us that God the Father loves us so much, loves every one of us, that he gave his Son, God, God who is eternal, God who is love, God who is holy, God who is just. He loves us. God who is both three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but is also just one, loves us. And if you just begin to try to sort some of the things I just said, it blows your mind. It's hard for us to wrap our arms around God and understand that this God loves you and me. So our loving and holy and just God gave us his son. Gave us his son who's born to a virgin and laid in a manger. Why? Why? 
Well, well, the best answer is that so we could have a relationship with God. That alone, again, should confuse you. Why? Why would this almighty God want a relationship with me? Jesus came as a babe to die in our place on a cross because we have been alienated from God and stand under his righteous judgment, every one of us. We have all sinned. We have all broken God's law. This sin is a barrier, and this barrier tragically separates us from God. We all need a Savior. Someone who would be able to connect us with a holy God. And Jesus is our Savior, the perfect and ultimate atoning sacrifice. You see, Jesus was born so that he could die, which is God's work on a sinner's behalf to reconcile each one of us back to himself. Isaiah was a prophet, and he lived about 700 years before Jesus was born. In Isaiah chapter 53, I'm going to read verses 3 to 6. Listen to what Isaiah says under the inspiration of the Spirit. He, speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He, Jesus, was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, laid on Jesus, the sins of all of us. Imagine that. And as you read through the Gospels, you will understand completely how much abuse he took. He was kind, he was gracious. He healed the sick. He cared for the widow and the orphan and children. He was amazing to hang around. There there was no reason to treat him like he was treated. Unless, well, you didn't understand all that he was doing. You see, Jesus was the perfect lamb of God. He was sacrificed to cancel our sin, to pay our debt. 
You see, because God is righteous, he requires sin to be paid for. He cannot just look the other way. He cannot just say, well, okay, that's a little sin and this is a big sin. All sin is heinous to God. He cannot be in the same room. So he needed somebody to cancel that sin, to pay our debt. Jesus was also sacrificed to satisfy or appease God's wrath. He died so that God's wrath would go on Jesus instead of us because of our rebellious ways. Now again, whether you agree with this or not, this is who God is. God loves us, God cares for us, and God says, I want a relationship with you, but you are unapproachable, and so am I. So the good news, I'm going to send Jesus at just the right time, and he's going to be born, and he's going to live on this planet, and he is going to be the means of reconciliation for all of mankind in spite of how all of mankind treats him. You see, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Peter writes this, He, Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. For by his wounds, we have, or you are, healed. In Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 8, the apostle Paul writes this, But God showed his great love. God showed his great love. We love hearing about that. But realistically, if you're honest... Do you deserve that? Do I deserve that? Well, I'm kind of a nice guy, and I kind of... Just be real. The Almighty God desires a relationship with you and with me. And the only way that can happen is if somehow a Savior comes, a perfect Savior, lives his life down here, dies on the cross, sheds his blood so that you and I can have our debt paid and God's wrath appeased. Romans 5, but God showed his great love for us by sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still separate, while we couldn't do anything in ourselves. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, by his sacrifice, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation or God's wrath. So we go back to the question. Who? Who would do this? Who would do this even for a bunch of people you really like and are cooperative? 
But who would leave glory? Who would leave heaven? Who would leave a perfect environment? Who would leave a relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit that was so tight, that was such a blessing? Who would leave all that to humble himself and actually become flesh? Who who would leave that perfect environment and enter this world stained by sin? Who would sacrifice living in perfect and be a sacrifice in a place which is stained by sin and death? The answer is Jesus. It's Jesus. So we wonder about his love. One of the wonders of Christmas. Why? This doesn't make sense. Why not just start over, God? There's got to be something wrong here. You would do this for me? You see, Christmas is a beautiful story. We love telling that story, don't we? We, we, we have our nativity scenes. We see God in the flesh in this manger. We cannot believe it. We celebrate it. Now, granted, our culture has somewhat watered down the meaning of Christmas. I get it. There's a little bit of commercialism. And then sometimes Jesus doesn't get mentioned that often. But those who follow God, those who are part of God's family, those who have come to Jesus by faith and are called the children of God, this is an amazing and a special time. So it is. It's a beautiful story, beginning with a baby in a manger, leading to a cross and ending in resurrection life, which gives us victory over death and sin. Jesus did that so that anyone in his family, anyone who has come to faith, they will never die technically. They will shut their eyes and enter eternity forever and ever with God, their father. (laughs) No one we know would endure this what Jesus went through in order to reconcile the ungrateful. I mean, if you can just even remember, some of you have parents of young children right now, but many of you remember those days when you are just hoping that one of your kids would say, thank you, mother. I realized that For the last week, I've been a little hard to live with. I've been wearing the crabby pants. I've been, and you start the list. That mom, that dad would start doing somersaults. Are you kidding? You can't believe it. It'd be all over Facebook and Twitter and everything else. My son, he said, thank you. Do you believe it? This is so cool. Yet you just put in 179 hours serving that kid. Whoa. Think 
of how much God loves us. Of how many times we not only are ungrateful, but we choose to disobey, go our own way. But he loves us. His love makes us wonder, doesn't it? Doesn't it make you scratch your head? Because love actually is defined by what you give up, not by what you give. Let me share with you the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 7, shares with us all that Christ gave up. Paul writes this. Instead, he, Jesus, gave up his divine privileges. This is what Jesus did in order to reconcile us. He took a humble position of a slave. You got to stop right there. The king of kings, the creator of all. He says, I will become a slave and was born as a human being with all of a human being's limitations. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus laid aside, gave up his divine privileges in order to become a man, to show us who God is in the flesh and die in our places so we might have a relationship with God. You know, it's very interesting. David, if you've been with us, we just finished a series on David. And we saw that David was a man after, his, after God's own heart. He connected with God. He loved God well. And when he sinned, he repented with great gusto. But one of the prayer requests of David, a man after God's own heart, is found in Psalm 17, 7. And it's a simple prayer. David says this, show me the wonders of your great love. David, after writing psalm after psalm, after spending so much time with God, after being called a man after God's own heart, there was a prayer, a quick prayer. Father, I don't get you, good shepherd. Why do you love so much? Show me the wonders of your great love. Wow. It's a great prayer because love, or because God's love is puzzling. His love for us is part of the wonder of Christmas. <laughs> we wonder. We do. If we're honest, we wonder about God, trying to figure out God, how he thinks, how he acts. We get confused, and, and, and some of us even get a little ornery, thinking we just might know more than God. 
But he would eventually come back and say, no, God, you're, you are God. And I don't get you, but one of the things about you, God, I don't get your love. I just don't. I don't know anybody who loves like you. I don't know anyone who, who could love like you. But you love. We don't fully understand it, and we probably won't. But all of us love being loved by God. Mary, a godly teenager, was part of the plan. She didn't understand everything. But she knew God loved her. And God's love shouts. Jesus became flesh. The God-man This cute little baby who is born to die. God's love shouts. Why? Why God loves us so. And why he wants a relationship with us. See, it just confuses us. But I know this. I am so glad he does. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father, we sing a carol. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And God, we sing this often. We we are going to sing it in just a moment. But sometimes we sing it because, well, it's a Christmas carol. God, would you open our eyes to the wonders of your love? Would you open our eyes on how much we can rejoice because the Lord has come? Yes, he came the first time as a baby. And and yes, he came first time in weakness. Oh God, but he came because he loved us. And he spread his arms so that we could call his father our father. Oh God, don't, don't let this story get old. Don't let this story, Father, kind of become just a story. Would we take time to reflect on your great love for us? Even though, again, we won't get it completely. So thank you. Thank you, Father, that you came and that you love us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.